Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome back. We made it to another UAP Weekly. Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. And I'm so excited for this one today because this is going to be an incredible interview with the one and only Robert Salas, who was just at the Mexican UAP hearings, what, last week, week and a half ago when those were held, and obviously uh, made international headlines, global news, if you will, when the reveal of the uh, Peruvian alien mummies were were shown to the world. And that was obviously the moment that everyone spoke about. Uh, but there was a lot more that happened there as well, and a lot more that was said. And we're going to talk about all of that and more uh, in a very in-depth conversation here in Robert Salas's, I believe, I'll ask him to make sure, but I believe this is his first interview since the UAP hearings there in Mexico. So that we're going to cover a lot of ground here today, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. Um, before we get into that, though, just want to real quick touch on the controversy and kind of the, well, for lack of a better term, the weirdness happening around this F-35 story out of South Carolina. Um, just my observations, not really anything, you know, breaking or, you know, um, you know, I guess new groundbreaking stuff here on that story. But just just from what I can tell, there's obviously something going on there. I think you probably agree uh, just the details don't make any sense where you have. So we'll paint, paint the picture. Obviously, last week you had this story of, well, I guess well maybe four or five days ago. But either way, you have this story of a F-35 jet uh, pilot ejects from this jet. One of the most highly advanced you know, aircraft that we have that we know about, known to the public, in our U.S. military. And the pilot ejects, and this thing keeps going on autopilot. The... Other airplane, his co-pilot there, you know, or his, his wingman, I guess I should say, uh, turns around, flies back to base while this unmanned jet just wanders around and eventually crashes in the backwoods of South Carolina. So all that said, you everybody's wondering what the heck happened. Why did this pilot eject? Why was it left on autopilot? Why was the transponder not turned on? So it could have been, you know, easily located. And, you know, I was wondering, obviously I had a lot of questions just like everybody else, okay? Because, again, you have to be one of the most highly trained, skilled pilots in the world just to be considered to fly the F-35, okay? It's that and the stealth bomber. You have to be, like, top of the top, like, Top Gun Maverick type of person, okay, to fly one of those aircraft. Again, just to be considered. So you don't have someone who's going to make, you know, ridiculous mistakes, Flying those planes. So look, human error is always an option. I get that. But again, you have to be extremely, extraordinarily qualified to fly one of those things. So it's unlikely, I guess I'll just put it that way, that they would make some type of egregious mistake like leaving the plane 
on autopilot after they eject for seemingly no reason. But we don't know. Was there a mechanical malfunction? So what we were hoping was we would get some type of clarification from the U.S. military. Well, we got that, but it was an absolute joke. And that's what I wanted to touch on because they come out and they say, well, the weather was bad and the pilot forgot to turn off the autopilot uh, feature and forgot to turn on the transponder. Okay, so like I said, these things are not only specially made to fly through bad weather, but why was his co-pilot not affected by the bad weather? Not, he keeps saying co-pilot, his wingman not affected by the bad weather. And according to the reports, on that day, there was no bad weather in the skies where they were flying in South Carolina. So what is happening here? And again, going back to how qualified you have to be just to be considered to fly one of those airplanes, a guy like that is not going to forget to turn on the transponder or forget to turn off autopilot. So there's something going on. Now I'm even more curious because the military is obviously covering this up with, with a ridiculous farce of a story. This is like That's worse than you know saying it's weather balloons that you saw. That's just, I mean, how stupid do you think that we are that we're going to believe a story like that, like a backstory, an explanation like that? It's, it's completely unbelievable in every sense of the word. So now the question becomes, and now that we've added fuel to the fire here, what really happened? Are we now, now I'm going to ask the question, okay? Are we talking about some type of UAP technology that interfered with this airplane? I didn't want to bring it up before because I feel like I don't want to jump to that right away. But now that the military is covering this up, obviously with that explanation that they gave, that has led me to believe, okay, there is something going on here. So I do have to ask the question, were, were these fighter jets chasing something? Were they chasing the UAP? What, did the UAP interfere with their controls? We've heard those stories before. That's happened many times to pilots in, you know, in, in their sightings. What is the military hiding? Or worse yet, were they hacked by a foreign adversary? They would hide that for sure because they don't want that to get out. That would be extremely scary if that was the case. So something happened here. If it was just a regular mechanical malfunction, I feel like, you know, some glitch in the system, something, I feel like that would have come out and they could have just said that. You know what? If, and even that, if you're going to lie about it, just make something up more believable. Like it was a mechanical malfunction that led to him having to eject from his his uh, fighter jet, his F-35, and, you know, it wouldn't allow him to take it out of autopilot. Like, you can't come up with anything better as far as an excuse goes. You have to say it was bad weather and he forgot. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> what are we doing here? So, uh, we got to keep an eye on this F-35 story. We may never hear anything from it again, um, but I'm not buying this explanation from the, from the military. I'm sorry. There is something else going on there. And now I, now I really want to know. Now, I'm not going to touch on that with Robert Salas uh, because we've got in more to this hearing that took place in Mexico. So without further ado, I wanted to get that part out of the way. I want to now bring on Robert Salas here. So delighted, so happy, and honestly just uh, beyond honored at this point that uh, the esteemed Robert Salas has joined me again here on UAP Weekly, especially with now, after everything that happened in Mexico during the congressional UAP hearings that they held, and of course he being one of the witnesses that was there. Really excited to have him on today um, to talk about his experiences and everything that went down. So Robert Salas, thank you again so much for, for joining me here today on UAP. Uh, it's a pleasure, Stephen. Thanks for inviting me. 
me. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to have you. And there's so much um, that's that's gone on in the past week. And I I, I guess if I'm not mistaken, um, is it, is this the first interview that you've done since the Mexico hearings? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm even more honored then. Thank you. Um, so what? I, I guess just starting there. What was it like to be at that hearing? I mean, there was a there were a lot of names there along with you. You know, like Ryan Graves, uh, Avi Loeb, uh, Ronnie Fournette. You know, a lot of people who are obviously you know well respected within this discussion within this community, like yourself. So what was it like being at that hearing and kind of being on that same team, so to speak, with with all those guys and more? Oh, it was a real honor for me. Um, uh, you know, I am. Met- uh, Mexican-American. My, my parents were born in Mexico. In fact, one of my ancestors was an interim president of Mexico for a short time. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, and so, uh, no, it was great to be there, um, especially, of course, my favorite subject. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to um, too many uh, of the other participants. Uh, it was a pretty well-organized uh, situation where we had to be a certain place, a certain time. So, uh, uh, But uh, it was really enjoyable to, to meet them all. And uh, no, it was an honor for me. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm really happy that you were able um, to be there and that they asked you to do this because when we spoke last time, it was actually uh, following the American congressional hearing. And, you know, we spoke a lot about that with with David Grush and everybody with Ryan Graves being at that one as well, along with uh, David uh, Fravor. And, Uh you know, we talked about, well, shoot, why didn't they ask you to to go? I mean, you (laughs) definitely should be invited to, to one of these things. So I was personally, I was really happy to see that. That, um, you know, you had that that moment where you could get out there and kind of talk about what your knowledge of this situation. How do you feel your your story specifically, your testimony was was taken during that that hearing? Did, did they did they take it to heart? Well, um, there was a little bit of difficulty. You know, we had some things going on there. Well, first of all, it was uh, televised from the chamber itself. Mm. Uh, they call their essentially their House of Representatives uh, chamber of um, deputies. So it's a little different. Mm. But uh, they televised it right from the chamber, something like C-SPAN would do. And they had uh, uh, translators. And I was speaking in English, and the translation was coming over in Spanish. And it kind of overwhelmed my English. Uh, maybe I didn't speak loud enough, but uh, uh, I heard the complaint that uh, a lot of people couldn't understand what I was saying. Hmm. Uh, because it was transmitted to the U.S., you could actually uh, link to the YouTube channel for this chamber. And uh, so that was a little bit uh, dicey, but... But I did get my points across, I think, um, and uh, and so that went fairly well, I, th- I think. But uh, again, I'm going to have to. I'm working on now and get a, a full transcript in English only, and uh, I'll, I'll try to publish that on the uh, somewhere on the web, uh, either my face, my uh, uh, website, or uh, or here on Twitter or someplace like that. I've got a YouTube channel also. Yeah, that's right. No, and um, I'm, I'm glad you're going to be able to do that. And I, that, I'm just curious here, and this is just my mind wandering here, Robert. So maybe. I'm way off base. Did anybody else have those issues as far as, you know, the, yes. the, the translation? Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, some of the people spoke uh, in Spanish directly and uh, they, they they complained a little bit about the translation to English uh, that they didn't get everything right. So uh, that was a little bit of a hiccup. Yeah. No, I'm just wondering. I mean, and, and, you know, this is again, this is just how my mind works. I start to think of all these possibilities. It could definitely be just a technical glitch. Do you feel it was just a technical glitch? Or do you feel like that this was a, you know, an intentional effort to try to kind of jumble up what you guys were, were trying to tell uh, your, your stories that day and your testimony? No, I don't think there was an intentional effort okay. to um, uh, waylay it. Um, it's just a question of interpretation of what the speaker is saying.
saying and um, uh, trying to translate it in real time. It's that's a very difficult thing mm-hmm. to do. I think lost in translation sometimes. I guess when it comes to yeah. a couple of things. Yeah. I got you. Well, no, we, we even had a speaker from Japan, right? Uh, which was uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, <laughs> no, that was one of the uh, positive aspects of this. Is uh, we had speakers from Argentina and Japan, uh, and uh, both those countries are now considering doing the same thing. That's uh, fantastic. In other words, having a, a special session of their uh, government body to uh, consider uh, the whole phenomenon. Oh, that, that's that's fantastic. And you're so right. This really was kind of like a global event, especially, you know, when it came to the reveal, if you will, of, um, you know, the thousand-year-old alien mummies, which we're going to get to. I know for, for anyone listening, you're probably thinking, <laughs> ask him about the mummies. And we will. We're going to talk about it for sure. But there's um there's, there's a lot to get to on this. So we, we will get to that. But you're right when it comes to just the, the global aspect of this, you know, because I mentioned obviously yourself with Ryan Graves and Avi Loeb and uh, Ronnie Vernet, but there was an extensive list of witnesses there. France, Japan, Brazil, of course, with, with Ronnie. Um, you mentioned Argentina. So it was good to see, and of course, Mexico. Um, it was great to see, you know, kind of this global community come together in this setting and yes, have, you know, every kind of corner of the world talk about this. Absolutely. That, that was a highlight for me. Uh, it was an international affair. Uh, there was a lot of interest. Uh, we had uh, a big press uh, contingent there at the hearing, and uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very glad I participated, even with a little hang-up we had with uh, mummies, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm very happy I did it, uh, and hope to do it again, uh, hopefully in the U.S. this time, next time. Right, a little e- uh, easier travel, at least. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, but when it comes to, you know, you mentioned Argentina and I'll, I'm going off base a little bit here. So I'll, I'll, you know, kind of get back on base after this. But the only reason I bring this up is because I just did an episode of UAP um, last week as, as of this recording, talking about some rumors that were coming out of Argentina. There, there's a lot of activity uh, being reported anyway, coming out of Argentina, a lot of UAP activity, even going back to, you know, a week or two ago where they were discussing this, you know, uh, a, a base, a kind of like an, you know, know, like a naval air force base in the Buenos Aires province of Argentina, where they were actually supposedly having some type of battle uh, with with UAPs, and they were like landing on the base. Did you know anything about that, Robert? Uh, not specifically, but I, I do know uh, there's been a lot of activity in Argentina, and there has been for many, many years. Um, thanks to uh, Andrea Simondini, she's uh, mm. head of the UFO study group there that um, has been most active. They've established a relationship with the Argentine Air Force um, and other government officials, uh, and she's trying real hard right now to um, to uh, get their government uh, to have a, a similar hearing as we had in Mexico. And uh, uh, because again, like you say, there has been a lot of activity. In fact, all over South America, yeah. that, uh, uh, doesn't get enough attention. All the activity going on there. Uh, there have been many very interesting cases. Uh, of course, we know about Vargina, mm. uh, but in Brazil, but uh, uh, yeah, there there have been cases. 
where uh, uh, UAP have been shot at by uh, fighter pilots. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if the, and, and and recently, in fact, uh, the day after the hearing, uh, I heard a report uh, that a civilian airliner over uh, Iwana, uh, I think it was coming into land in Iwana, Mexico, um, had a collision alert alarm go off the cockpit, and uh, it, it basically said, you know, we're about to hit ground, uh, we're about to crash. Hmm. Uh, that's how collision alert systems work. Um, if you get too close to the ground, or if an aircraft gets too close to you, um, and it turns out it was an object, a lighted, uh, bright white light object uh, underneath the aircraft. And I don't believe they got video of it, but certainly the pilots saw it and uh, reported it. So, and this is one of the major issues that Ryan Graves was there for, and that is to uh, uh, consider the issues of flight safety, both civilian and military. Uh, and it's a shame he had to leave early because uh, there was a uh, pilots association pilots group that was supposed to meet with him uh, the day after the hearing, and uh, and I think Ryan had to uh, depart for some reason. But uh, mm. uh, hopefully that'll get back on track. I'm sure it'll be a subject of discussion in the U.S. Congress um, in the future because uh, it is certainly an issue. Uh, and that is, um, these objects have been uh, seen very close to both civilian and military aircraft. Uh, the concern, of course, is a collision. Yeah, exactly. I mean, could you imagine that actually happening where you have this, you know, a collision with, with UAP? My gosh, just the ramifications of that kind of sends, sends a chill down my spine. And, you know, yourself and Ryan Graves and others have been trying to warn of this now. You know, the, the, this goes back, as 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 you know, Robert, you know, these reports go go back to World War II with the reports of, you know, the Foo Fighters as they became known. Um, so this isn't something that, you know, just started happening now. Maybe some people are just becoming aware of it now. But the, these are things that have been happening for a long time. And you kind of blew my mind, actually, with that report out of Tijuana. I hadn't heard about that. You said that was that was recent? Yes. Uh, I heard about it um, the day just before I left. So it was wow. a day or two after the hearing. Wow, that's, man, that's that's uh, that's pretty crazy. So it kind of makes you wonder why these things are getting so close. You know, what is their intention? Why why get that close? Um, and that's one of the many questions that, that we're trying to find out, I guess, and why we're having these hearings. Do you feel like, do you feel like, Robert, that, you know, with the global contingencies, essentially, that was there at, at the hearing, are there other countries that are taking this more seriously than the United States? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mentioned the uh, uh, member of the Japanese Diet, again, uh, similar to our Congress, uh, was there. Uh, he spoke, uh, and he's also considering very seriously uh, having a hearing in Japan uh, soon, I think. Wow. Uh, and absolutely, uh, all countries should take this seriously. And, and of course, the main thing is uh, being honest with their citizens, uh, trying to get disclosure in all of these countries uh, so that we can get a better handle. The more information we've got uh, that's official, let's say, information, uh, uh, that becomes, you know, real data that can be analyzed. Uh, uh, and that's exactly what we need to try to figure out what uh, and try to get to the bottom of all this. Have you found yeah. that, that that other countries are more forthcoming with their citizens? Because obviously, you know, with what we deal here with uh, the, the United States, it's a little, it's like pulling teeth, obviously, as you know. Yeah. So, I mean, but the, the progress that? the U.S. has made in, uh, in the regulatory process 
uh, you know, uh, requirements uh, such as the new uh, Senate uh, amendment yeah. uh, and the NDAA will, will have, uh, I think, an impact with other countries. Um, they'll try to do the same thing, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think they'll all take it more seriously, uh, partly because of the initiatives we've seen in the U.S. Mm, well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. What was, um, I'm curious, Robert, what was your mood heading into the hearing versus how you felt coming out of it once it was all said and done? <laughs> <laughs> mood, huh? <laughs> well, my mood, I was, uh, you know, motivated, highly motivated to uh, to see it happen. Um, uh, I think it went off pretty well uh, technically, uh, uh, except for the translations, of course. Um, but uh, coming out of it, uh, again, I was uh, disappointed what happened with the so-called mummies. Mm. Um, uh, I think that was a mistake, and I think uh, Jaime Musan probably agrees with me now. Um, uh, and, well, if you want to jump into it. We yeah, can, let's uh, do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering. It, yeah, yeah, no, let's. I, I think that's a good transition. Did, have you had conversations with with Jaime uh, Musan about this this subject? Not with Jaime per se, but um, of course I've been reading the Twitter feed also sure. about him being possibly charged uh, by the government of Peru for uh, uh, facilitating. Let's say I don't know what his uh, role was, uh, but he did have access to these beings. Uh, uh, let me just go back a little bit. In 2018, I think it was, or 2017, I went to a. a re- uh, it was a presentation by some of the scientists involved uh, with this discovery. It, these mummies were, uh, and I'm sorry to use that term because some people don't like it, but uh, no, hey, it's that's easier for me to talk about it. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> these mummies uh, were discovered, uh, I think, around two, 2015, possibly 2014, but we'll say 2015, by, um, well, well, we'll just call him Mario, okay. uh, an individual who uh, I guess was uh, looking for something like that that some artifacts. They were brought to the attention of uh, Thierry uh, Jamin. Again, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. J-A-M-I-N. Okay. If people go to his website, it's called the-alien-project.com. Um, uh, they can see his website and all the work he did uh, early on uh, to try to validate the authenticity of these objects. Um, anyway, I went down there in, in uh, 2018, I think it was, uh, to this presentation, which was done again before for a member of Congress, of the Peruvian Congress. Uh, it was in uh, a big uh, room, uh, but we had experts there that had done analysis on DNA, uh, analysis on the aging. They had done um, CT scans, x-rays, and so we had some medical people that uh, looked at these um, scans and uh, concluded that um, all of them concluded and that these were uh, integral beings at one time. In other words, they had, they had walked on the earth uh, at one time. And of course, um, what little I know about uh, uh, carbon dating, I understand that there's um, a, uh, what do you call it, an isotope of carbon, a radio, radio isotope of carbon uh, that exists in our atmosphere, which we all breathe in and take in, and um, somehow it gets absorbed in our bodies. And there's a certain ratio of, um, of that radio isotope, a decay of that. Uh, again, this is a little bit technical, and this is one of the reasons uh, it shouldn't have been brought up right. in steering because there's a lot of technical aspects of these studies that uh, most people don't really understand or yeah. know about. But bottom line is, if you um, have lived on Earth, you breathe, uh, you've absorbed some of this um, uh, radioisotope of carbon, and after you die, uh, they can people can check on it and see what that ratio of uh, radioisotope is gotcha. to the decay And by that, since it's well known, that ratio, uh, normal normal ratio uh, in existence today is well known. Uh, uh, 
they can determine the age uh, because uh, radioactive decay uh, is highly reliable. That rate of decay is highly reliable. I number. see. Okay. And from that, you can determine the age. So uh, I'll leave it to the experts to explain all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes sense. So that that's basically how they're able to do the carbon dating. And they come out with the, I guess what they're saying, about a thousand years old for one of the mummies. Yeah, for these uh, so-called. Supposedly, um, but again, I don't know uh, whether Jaime Musan was talking about these particular beings or the ones that were held um, in uh, in Peru by um, under the auspices of Terry Hamin. Um, so, in fact, Terry Hamin put out a uh, statement after the um, uh, announcement by uh, Jaime Musan, uh, stating that um, these beings that he displayed were not the ones that he had analyzed. Uh, mm. He Terry had analyzed uh, and uh, wanted to make a point of that. I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, uh, there's a lot of evidence, not just the aging, but the DNA evidence. Uh, and I won't go into that too much, except the fact that uh, uh, the DNA sequencing was carried out on the bodies that uh, Terry has access to. Uh, and that's about three or four, something like that, um, that he has and has carried out testing. And it's not just Terry himself. It's uh, we're, we're talking about uh, uh, certified laboratories, uh, some even in the U.S., Canada, uh, Russia, uh -huh. um, they all participated uh, in uh, in some of this testing. Uh, and in fact, uh, currently there is, a, uh, I hope uh, I don't reveal anything too serious here, but uh, there is a university in the United States that's carrying on some testing um, on these, uh, we'll call them uh, mummies. So there, mm. the point is further testing is continuing. Um, I think the whole objective was to get as much testing done, um, scientific testing, to validate the authenticity of these beings. Now, whether or not they're extraterrestrial is a whole other question. Right. It's a whole other discussion. Uh, and again, this is another mistake I think Jaime made is stating that these were extraterrestrial, which uh, I don't think uh, uh, we might have a hard time proving that. Yeah, that's <laughs> it was it was an incredible moment and, and a really an incredible claim. So no, that, and that's really great info, Robert, on all that. So is it, is it basically being asserted that these, you know, alien mummies, so to speak, that Jaime Musan had at the congressional hearing, are these being talked about as something different than what is already in Peru? Or are these those mummies that were discovered, so to speak, back in 2014-15? Is there a different set? It is my understanding that the mummies that were presented at the hearing were discovered by this uh, Mario first. Okay. Um, uh, but they are not the specific mummies where these extensive deaths have been formed. Hmm. That's what I understood from uh, Kiri Hamin's statement. Pretty incredible. Uh, and, and to think that they're studying this too, um, you know, in an American university, and we obviously, you know, we don't know which one that is, and that's that's fine. I don't want you to get too too far deep, and if you you know, it's not to reveal too much if you're not supposed to. Um, but you know that apparently some of these studies are being taken seriously. And just yesterday, even you know, as as we, we uh, record this, they were doing studies in Mexico uh, at a hospital, and they had three, I guess, independent doctors, a director of the hospital, and uh, you know, like a, a radi radiographical te technician. They did a CT scan, they did a regular X-ray, and they were saying on this on this specific mummies that were presented at the uh, hearing uh, that according to these scans CT and x-ray that these were whole skeletons they were not put together they were not manipulated so I mean what, what do you what do you make of that yeah like I say there's a lot of evidence that supports that fact that they uh, these are not something that were put together by uh, individuals um, and one of the things they point to is there are eggs in in some of these mummies that's right uh, and they have actually uh, taken some of the material out of the interior of the eggs and determine that they are uh, indeed
indeed uh, uh, organic material. Uh, there are also uh, very intricate ligaments uh, leading to the hands and the feet. Uh, uh, there is something like an oviduct, oviduct meaning uh, um, a duct where eggs are developed uh, in one of the beings, uh, one or more, uh, that shows the development of an egg in that duct. Uh, so there's a lot of intricate stuff that, you know, presumably uh, people that lived a thousand years ago uh, would not have had the technical ability to, to <laughs> make uh, even from body parts of other uh, animals. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, there was even some talk of uh, an element called, I think it's pronounced osmium. Yes. And they said that that was supposedly found uh, like like a plate of, of osmium covering right. the rib cage, right? And that's right. And that would be very hard to do as far as even going back a thousand years. How would that, I guess, get there? And that's a very strange thing to be present inside of a body. Yes. Uh, in, in many of these bodies, there are uh, so-called metal implants. Hmm. Uh, also, some part of the discovery were the large hands, uh, and they had uh, circular implants in the top of the hand um, made out of uh, a copper gold alloy. <laughs> so uh, a lot of strange things are going on with these things. Yeah. Uh, and th- they deserve to be researched carefully, scientifically uh, evaluated carefully. Uh, so uh, I know it was, uh, like I said, I think it was a mistake to bring all this up during this hearing because of the, um, let's say, incomplete explanation of uh, how it was uh, they got a hold of these mummies uh, and uh, how they've been evaluated scientifically. Uh, it was just uh, an incomplete discussion, and that's what caused all the, uh, you know, the, the rigmarole around it. Um, yeah, sure did. It was kind of caused a, 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 world, a worldwide ruckus. Were, were you yeah. were you aware of that, Robert, while, while you were down there in, in Mexico? No. Were you aware of, of how much coverage this thing really it, it went global, this story? I wasn't aware this was going to happen. Uh, of course, like I said, I learned about the mummies in 2018, so uh, five years ago. Mm. And uh, as a result of listening to the scientists talk about uh, what tests have already been done, uh, I was convinced there was something to this. In addition, uh, I had had an experience uh, where uh, I was convinced I saw the uh, the hands of the beings, uh, these extended hands and fingers, um, and that's what motivated me to go down there and find out more. So uh, I don't think uh, the uh, your audience or anyone uh, should give up on the possibility that these are very real. Uh, they at one point uh, walked on the earth, but they are not, uh, according to the DNA, which was compared to a large database of, uh, of DNA that's available of, of different creatures that uh, live or have lived on earth. Uh, there's no comparison. They can't find a match. Uh, and that's what leads us to think that they might be extraterrestrial. But uh, that certainly has not been established. Fascinating. It really is. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, Robert, I, I, I came into this subject um, speaking with you. I've done, you know, obviously a lot of research and observed it like everybody else over the past week uh, specifically. I've known about these as well, these, these you know, specific mummies, uh, so to speak, that were presented at the hearing. I've thought of these, uh, I think about three years ago, four years ago was when I first came across the, this uh, story. And it was fascinating to me then. And I didn't really know what to make of it um, ever since then. But to hear you talk about it, it's it's kind of mind boggling because it kind of sounds like that there really is some validity to these claims that these things are not some type of, you know, put together hoaxed thing with animal bones and then covered in paper mache. You know what I mean? Like there's, it seems like this no. might be some type of real entity that can't be denied because it's been proven by science. And I guess what that entity is remains to be seen. Is, is that kind of 
your stance on this at, at this point? Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, we we can't discount the possibility that these were, uh, these are authentic. Uh, in other words, uh, I know there's a lot of rumors out there that this was a hoax uh, perpetrated uh, intentionally. It's, it's not. Uh, it, these things have been studied uh, extensively. And uh, again, I, I encourage everybody to go to that website. Uh, also, if any of you are a Facebook page, you can go to a, a page that I've got uh, called NASCA Mummies. I think it's called uh, where I've presented some of the evidence that was presented uh, when, when I went down there in 2018. Pretty incredible. What was the reaction like? I'm curious because, I mean, you were really one of, one of the few privileged people in that room, of course, you know, aside from media. But as far as the witnesses are concerned, you had a front row seat to this. And like you said, you didn't know that these things were going to be presented. What was the reaction like in the room? Was it shock? Was it confusion? Was it a little frustration? Uh, all, of the, all of the above, Stephen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, like I said, we had a lot of media there uh, and everybody wanted to have uh, good photographs of the uh, of these mummies and uh, so people were shouting in the chamber uh-huh. you know for people to get out of the way uh, so they could get a good photo etc there was a lot of confusion there um, and uh, again it took away from uh, right. our testimony a little right. bit it was a distraction let's that, put it that way it was that's a big right. distraction uh, from the comments that we had to say and uh, and it kind of got lost in translation like I said so um, uh, it could have the whole thing could have been handled a lot better. Yeah, so I'm curious, is that why? Because I, I saw Ryan Graves. Um, I, I've never spoken to Ryan Graves. I would love to. Um, you know, if he if he ever has time, you know, maybe he maybe he's hearing this right now. But um, I've never spoken to him personally. And but I did see that he wrote on social media that he was pretty frustrated with the way that all went down. He kind of called it, you know, a, a, in not so many words, kind of like a circus, uh, so to speak, a sideshow in the way that everything went down. And I think that frustration comes from, like you said, it distracted from you know real kind of uh, hard fact testimony that you guys were giving and trying to raise awareness you know for pilot safety and for passenger safety really when it comes to what's in our skies flying around you know passenger jets or fighter jets and there's you know there's a lot of testimony that went in there that day and this kind of really overshadowed everything so is that do you think that's why it was a mistake in your estimation to present this the way that it was presented yes exactly it was a big distraction uh, and like I say the you know, most of us, uh, while we're uh, somewhat, uh, many of us uh, understand a little bit of science, <laughs> uh, we don't deal with uh, some of the scientific subjects like DNA uh, sequencing right. and, uh, and carbon dating on an everyday basis. So uh, I think uh, Mr. Musson should have uh, had the experts uh, w- and, and warned the public that this was coming uh, and, and had the real experts of uh, that could have explained this in uh, layman's terms. So it was a diversion. Uh, I know Mr. Graves got uh, uh, was disappointed with the way it turned out. I think we all were, um, uh, and it detracted from the message we were trying to give uh, in our particular uh, talk. Yeah, that that is the part that is you know kind of a shame about the whole thing um, that that it did detract from your testimony, from Ryan Graves' testimony, and a lot of important testimony that was taking place that day um, kind of got lost in the shuffle. So that part is definitely unfortunate. You know, you can only hope that maybe people go back and and listen to some of the things that that were said because um, it was important. Stuff Stuff that, that you guys were presenting, and hopefully too, we get more of these hearings. Have have you heard any whispers, any rumors of you know in the United States or otherwise more of these hearings taking place? I know you say maybe Japan, but even outside of that too. Uh, well, I, I understood uh, from uh, Twitter uh, post that um, uh, Representative Burchett uh, stated that he thinks that there will be another hearing in the U.S. Uh, I mentioned the um, the member of Congress from Japan that was presenting in, in Mexico.
Mexico did indicate to us in a lunch we had with him uh, that he was very interested in trying to get his um, his country to have such a hearing. Uh, I know that Andrea Simondini is going to try hard to get one in Argentina, and also uh, I think there may be one in uh, an attempt to get one in Peru. Oh wow! And so um, in that respect, this uh, this was successful because I think it uh, generated more interest uh, with other countries to have uh, more open hearings about the subject and, and hear some of the witnesses in their countries. Right. So maybe in the end there was like you know for 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 the greater good type of thing. Who knows? We'll I guess we'll right. see. You know how it develops. Do you think? And this is just a thought my in my own my own head here, which is dangerous. But do you think that this goes down the route of like a UN General Assembly type of meeting? I mean, would that be something that do you think would be a good idea? You know, because we talk about international and things like that and lost in translation to kind of get the type of crowd that you had in Mexico, but in a General Assembly type of way in New York to gather and talk about this. So that that might be a pretty big well, deal. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but there is an effort going on right now uh, to get uh, the General Assembly to approve of a United Nations office. Oh. Uh, this is being uh, uh, orchestrated by uh, uh, the country of San Marino, actually, oh, wow. uh, has approved uh, uh, an effort to present this to the United Nations. Uh, and any country uh, represented in the United Nations can do this. And um, it was tried back, uh, I think it was 1978, but the um, by the government of Grenada. Hmm. But then the Grenada invasion took place and, hmm. um, and that went south. Uh, but now there's another attempt uh, uh, by the country of San Marino, like I said, which is a small republic uh, uh, on the Italian peninsula. Right, uh, right. Are you familiar with that, Steve? Uh, yeah, just just the location. I've never been there, but I've heard it's, uh, it's, beautiful. it's beautiful. I've been there. And wow. It's a uh, <laughs> beautiful location right uh, right there by the uh, See, I'm not sure if that's the Mediterranean. Uh, no, maybe not. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's a beautiful location. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I've, I've wanted and, to go there. <laughs> uh, and that effort will continue, as I understand it, uh, even though that there's been uh, a little problem with uh, uh, turnover of government there. Mm, wow. All right. Well, geez, I, I actually, I didn't know that. So maybe we will actually get some type of, um, you know, UN assembly or measure from the UN. I guess in, in that, you know, in that fashion, Robert, where do you see this going next? Where do you see this conversation kind of heading as now we have, you know, a U.S. congressional hearing and a Mexican congressional hearing under our belt? Do you see this conversation continuing down this path that we're talking about? Or do you think people are going to get distracted by something and then it dies down for another five years before it gets picked up again? Well, uh, I'm optimistic that uh, the interest will continue. Uh, the question I have, uh, even though uh, you know, these new Senate uh, requirements coming up for uh, signature at the end of this year uh, on the in, in the NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act of 2024, uh, we'll have some pretty stiff requirements for uh, U.S. government agencies to turn over what they've got on UAP. Uh, the question I have is, will that happen? Will that be enforced? And how will it be enforced? Because of the, uh, let's say, the very uh, complicated uh, uh, secrecy rules that we've got throughout the government. Um, uh, it's going to be tough. And I still believe that there's a very strong influence by a secret group that's an international in nature, actually, that's going to try hard to maintain these secrets. And uh, my, my question is, how well will we be able to penetrate uh, that hold that they have? Uh, because it involves uh, not, not just government agencies, but also um, industries, uh, corporations, companies that have been uh, doing some of this work, um, classified secret work um, uh, with um, re-engineering or back-engineering, uh, recovered graph, um, etc. Yeah, I was, uh, was, was going to so, ask you that, you know, who you thought would, would be involved 
involved in a group like that as far as government agencies or you know private companies so kind of like a, a mix a mix of it all yeah it's called the military industrial complex right right exactly <laughs> it yeah well <laughs> that's it right there and I guess speaking of that and this is this is a controversial subject but I mean I feel remiss if I didn't ask the question because you bring up you know the NDA Act with 2024 um, even you know Representative Burchett had sent out a letter co-signed by Nancy Mace and a couple of other uh, Congress people stating that they they wanted um, you know basically a, a congressional order saying that to the Pentagon to hand over your records on reverse engineering and these black sites where, where you're doing supposedly doing all this and to do that by September 26th and as of this recording that's a week away Robert so with that deadline in mind of next week as you know again as we talk here today and then we're talking about 2024 in the NDAA if those if these you know the military industrial complex so to speak doesn't comply with those deadlines again controversial but is it possible that there's some type of covert military force a splinter group or something that forcefully takes this stuff as you know Stephen, the uh, uh, president is the commander-in-chief of all right. u.s forces so he would have to get involved uh to demand uh certain things happen so again i don't know how that would ha- uh, how would that take place uh, yeah uh there are people out there as uh and i'm, I'm a big supporter of david grush uh, he claims that there are people that he knows are cognizant of where these things are located, uh, which companies have been involved, etc. Um, but that information hasn't been able to be transmitted to the Congress because they apparently cannot find a proper uh, skiff to reveal that, uh, which is hard to believe. But, yeah. Uh, so again, I'm, I'm hopeful that this will not be dropped, uh, that the interest will continue. I think that will happen. I, I think enough people have their hackles up in Congress uh, that they're not going to drop this thing at all. Uh, you know, the, uh, the the hard requirements there won't be um, there won't be deadlines for those till next year because the, the 2024 NDAA has not been signed yet. They're mm. still deliberating on the wording for that, and that won't be signed uh, till about December of this year. Uh, however, there are some reporting requirements I think uh, that are due uh, soon. I know um, <clears throat> Arrow has a reporting requirement with regards to the historical record. Uh, some of the testimonies they've been taking, like my own, uh, they're supposed to be releasing a report on that um, soon before the end of the year and we'll see what comes from that and again it's a matter of how dedicated the politicians are to, to um, getting to the bottom of this because of course you know there's politics involved here <laughs> we've got an election coming up next year and so right. uh, it's going to take some courage I guess uh, political courage to, uh, to keep pressure on yeah that, that, that you know that's a great point heading into an election you're already in election season so that's a great point to see how kind of all this mixes up and I, I want to bring this up before we go here Robert because this is something that I don't know it's it's kind of a question that I find interesting and it's one that actually I'm going to be covering in, kind of in detail um, in, in a later episode of, of UAP as I put together you know some, some materials for that but I'm curious your thoughts on the subject of disclosure versus religion and what I mean by that is you have people you have maybe I don't know if detractors is too strong of a word but you have people who say that well the US government or the governments of the world and maybe even with the Vatican included, don't want to uh, have true disclosure because it would have, you would have this upheaval of the world's religion. You have an upheaval of, you know, Christianity, of course, dominant religion within the United States and, you know, a lot throughout the world in, in, in most cases. So you have this talk on that end and then you have some talk on the other end that says, well, you know, that shouldn't be the case. It would actually heighten the awareness of, you know, of a supreme creator of God, that there would be all these other beings throughout the universe. So I'm wondering kind of where you see that discussion is it 
And I'm sorry to go so deep here, but do you see that as being like a real issue in the disclosure effort, like a real barrier of religion? Is, is, is religion a barrier to this? I think it's uh, a real uh, area uh, that ought to be considered, uh, the impact on religions. Um, I've been in contact with a fellow by the name of uh, Sabir Hussein uh, from India, uh, and I've asked him about that uh, with regard to the uh, religious aspect. Uh, and he he, he uh, is knowledgeable about um, the Islamic religion. I don't think he is uh, Muslim, but uh, in the Quran, uh, and I hope I'm not speaking out of school here, but in the no, Quran, please. he tells me that there is a concept called the jinn, J-I-N-N, and maybe in other religions also, but uh, the jinn are, are considered uh, some kind of um, disciples of Satan, uh, and uh, and these beings, uh, these um, extraterrestrial beings, if it's proven that they, they do exist and are, have come to Earth, uh, which I most of uh, us know that they indeed have, mm. um, uh, could be the this jinn spoke about in the Quran. So there is um, overlap with, with the Islamic religion. Um, and of course, I've heard from many of my Christian friends that uh, uh, some of them think that um, these beings are, um, again, uh, some uh, evil uh, beings uh, uh, that um, uh, uh, interact with, uh, interact with uh, humans to, um, again, turn them against, uh, against Jesus. Jesus Christ and uh, and in favor of what Satan wants. Hmm. So uh, yeah, there's going to be some complications, I think. But uh, again, I, I think these issues can be resolved if we um, keep our heads uh, and not get carried away too much. <laughs> right. Yeah, because there, there are a lot of theories with it. Obviously, you know, and you, of course, it's you bring up the other side where people say, well, what if it's you know a fallen angel type of scenario, and it's right. it, it, you know, and that's the thing. And I think it, it does kind of end up being a barrier in a way, and that's not to disparage anyone religion, of course, um, you know, on, on my end, you know, I, I find myself, I consider myself to be a, a religious person personally, um, but it's 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 an interesting discussion because there is kind of a, you know, I keep using the word barrier, roadblock, whatever you want to say, that I think needs to be broached with this discussion. How how does, you know, organized religion approach this if we do come across some type of disclosure that might be undeniable, you know? Right. It's, I like to think that um, uh, E.T. is here to help us evolve uh, uh, on a higher level or a higher plane of existence. Uh, and by that, I mean uh, we establish uh, core values uh, that we can all embrace uh, and allow us to move forward uh, in our evolutionary path. Um, it seems like uh, we, we've kind of lost track of these core values. And uh, I know that's not particularly religious, but it, it has to do with, uh, you know, how, how we see ourselves with respect to each other and in the world. And uh, uh, anyway, that's a long, long discussion, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can say that, say that for another time, I suppose. Say but that for another time, yeah. exactly. No, but that's I, I still think that's really well said, Robert. And um, I think I, I, we we've covered a lot of bases here today, so I don't want to take up much more of your time. And I think honestly, that's that's a good way to kind of end our discussion for today. But I, I hate to uh, let you go unless you know you have anything else on your mind. I mean, the floor is yours as far as you know anything else that that you want to broach here today with with this subject or you know that even went down during the congressional hearing. Uh, well. Uh, I'll just say that I'm, I'm still optimistic that we'll uh, 
uh, we'll get more disclosure. I don't know uh, how much more disclosure, but uh, like I say, I think there's a lot of interest within the Congress now, the U.S. Congress, U.S. government, to uh, uh, try to learn more. Um, I hope we have more witness testimonies because uh, I think that's the key. Uh, uh, get as many witnesses before the mm. public as, as we can uh, and learn as much as we can uh, and, and try to break through this uh, uh, huge barrier of secrecy that we've had for so long. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. And I think that's that's really great, Robert. Thank you again so much for joining me here today on UAP to discuss all of this. Um, I, I can't wait to see what happens next. And I, I hope as things to continue to progress, we can stay in touch and you know look forward to having you on uh, again as, as things continue to, to go on. You bet, Stephen. Absolutely. Thanks again, Robert, joining me here on UAP Weekly. Hopefully talk to you again soon. Thanks, Robert. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you again to Robert Salas for that. That was just... Um, that was thrilling, honestly, to hear him. Uh, there was so much there. I mean, just to think that these alien mummies, there is a possibility, whatever these things are, that they are real because of the scans that were done and everything that we just talked about there. Um, you know, the idea that this is now becoming a global pursuit for disclosure. We talk about Japan. We talk about Argentina. There's there's so much happening. It was I'm just so happy that we got to do that that interview and get all that information out there and uh you know, like you heard me say, hopefully we can talk again as things continue to progress. But I'm going to leave it there for now. Still working on episode 74, by the way. Um, I do want to get that out to you soon. But this interview with Robert Salas popped up, so I wanted to take that opportunity. So I put episode 74 kind of on the back burner again and working on a couple of other things. I'm really excited about a possible interview that is going to take place. I don't want to put uh, too much hype behind it because it has not been confirmed. But once it is confirmed, hopefully soon, I'll let you know what that interview is going to be because it's something that I've been trying to get done for the past few months, actually, um, to have this particular person on the show. So I'll let you know what's happening there once I get the confirmation. And I promise episode 74 is coming. You heard me say to Robert Salas kind of the, the backstory, the idea uh, that I'm going to be discussing, discussing there in 74 you know, when it comes to religion versus disclosure and things like that. There's a lot that I want to get to with that subject and a lot of stories that go into that. But with all that said, that is going to do it for today. This was an incredible experience. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Of course, be sure to continue to download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts on all the major platforms, of course. And you can even catch up on past episodes if you haven't heard those. Those are always archived on there. You always find them in the same spot as you find the new ones. Uh, so you can always check those out. Or if you just want to hear it again, I mean, if you want, if you want to, that's up to you. I'm not going to stop you. You can also follow the show on Twitter slash X if you aren't already. At UA Podcast 850. That's at UA Podcast 850. And as always, you can send me an email at SDeanerUAP. Again, that's S D I E N E R UAP at gmail.com if you'd like to email me there. Um, I know some of you have emailed me and I see those. I promise I'm going to get to them. I don't want to leave anybody hanging. So I do respond to everything. It may not be right away. May not be within a few days, and I apologize for that, but I do respond to everything. So if you have something that you need to say, want to say, and you'd rather do an email form, you can do it there at that address for Gmail. So with all that said, I hope you enjoyed this episode, like I said, as much as I did. And I look forward so much to speaking with you again soon on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. It's Stephen Diener right here. Be well, and as always, thank you so much. Talk to you again soon.